She's sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. But I think most people in America feel like once you've paid your debt to society, maybe you should have the opportunity to go out and vote. Um, and at, at least exercise your constitutional rights. But if you're in prison, if you have created, committed a crime like the Boston Marathon bombings or if you'd, you've assaulted or abused a child, I don't think Americans would, most Americans would want people like that to vote. Today I'm announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. I've known Joe over the years. He's not the brightest light bulb in the group, I don't think. And now, Stacey Washington. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You know what? That is a fantastic way to start the show out today. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with me. I have with me this hour, Chris Woodward from OneNewsNow.com. Hey, thank you for coming in. First time caller, long time listener. Oh, yeah. So you guys often hear Chris here on the show. And I'm so excited because we get to be live in studio today. And it's really fun to get to see the person, but it's also a little disconcerting because I'm used to just hearing you. Yeah. I'm used to hearing you all the time in the news breaks and then on other shows and then on my show. So it's a pleasure to be with you today and to get to do uh, just, we're going to have a good time. You have mm-hmm. a lot of great content yes. and really stories that are kind of hitting us where it hurts. Mm-hmm. That That's what I feel like this week has been. Um, and I'm interested in unpacking them and kind of thinking through we, we have a lot of work to do, I think, praying-wise. Mm-hmm. We have to pray over these issues, and then we have to really be active. If we're not already active, we have to become activated so we can get some things done. Because the pushback, just just posting comments on Facebook and Twitter, which I love, You're right. I don't think we're getting anywhere with that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely, you've got to engage. Uh, we've got to change the way that we do engage. And when you do comment on something or maybe you throw in a yeah, but every once in a while, uh, it's not going as far as it used to. So you definitely have to be more up to speed on the issues mm-hmm. uh, and get the job done as best as you can. Absolutely. So today, I, so I have a couple of stories that I want to get to from my end. Mm-hmm. One of them is this mom who's at a meeting at her kid's school, and the speaker, the presenter, is this. She's you. You can't obviously. We're doing radio here, mm-hmm. but you can't see her. But I want to describe her right. because she's an academic. Um, she's like TV ready. She could be on the Today Show. And she's got on a suit and everything, and she's up there describing how pedophilia is, in essence, a sexual orientation. Mm -hmm. Now, we know that whenever liberals or anyone who's in academia starts talking about orientation, what they're saying is that this choice that people make, whether it's a sin or not, whether you're inclined to do it or not, even people who have a compulsion to do something, it's still a choice to actually do it, that this choice is somehow validated Mm -hmm. by adding the word orientation because at that point then it just becomes a choice that you make like i chose to wear a stacy on the right show shirt today i could have chosen to wear a red top that i brought that's a choice that's a choice that's pretty neutral Mm -hmm. it doesn't harm anyone doesn't harm me right um but the sexual orientation choices are actually very harmful for us so i want to listen to this and get this reaction from you because i just i'm kind of stunned that this actually happened but this is a mom in the auditorium, she's got her cell phone, and she says um, to the speaker, I can't believe you just presented this as sexual orientation and that you're going to teach this to the kids. It's number two. Yes, I've discussed with you before, and I've 
worked prior to my office when you come to view the materials, I've explained to you that this is done because we are talking about historical perspectives of how um, gender relations and different types of sexual orientations have existed in history. So this is something something that's occurred in history, and so this is really important for us to include. Okay, so this is really important for us to discuss. Mm -hmm. Now, Chris, come on. (laughs) Adults here. Right. Uh, Teaching kids what something is is different than normalizing it, Mm -hmm. right? And so this mom is reacting to what she sees as a normalization of this, which is a deviant behavior. Mm -hmm. It's actually criminal. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of moral ways to look at it. I don't think you can find a religion in which, you know, of all the religions on earth, I don't know of any that say this is okay. This is something that's to be just normalized. Right. Where is this? What, 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 what is the cause behind everything in education now being surrounded? It's, it's how to, how do how do you have sex? The, the mechanics of sex, different types of sex. And why, why are we so obsessed with that with our kids? Well, I think it's because society overall has become anti-God and anything God has ever said in the history of ever uh, is wrong and we know what's right and we're going to tell you what's right. Everything has been normalized. Things that were once uh, things that you didn't talk about, uh, even in small circles, are you know normal today, quote unquote. Mm. Uh, and they want to explain it all the way as somebody being born that way. And it's their gender identity. We saw it. Uh, there is a uh, situation involving the Supreme Court where they're taking up a case involving a funeral home director who told an employee hey, you can't work here if you're going to dress as a woman. And the EEOC got involved and said, well, you, sir, are wrong because gender identity is the same thing as sex. And sex is protected in Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act. And you, sir, are wrong. We're going to penalize you and all that stuff. Basically, now you have government entities substituting language in things that no one ever even saw or thought or talked about when they passed legislation decades ago. So, again, it, it, it all involves just normalizing, and I know better than what you've been told from the pulpit. So, it, okay, as you just covered that really well, but I feel flabbergasted when, um, when, I, when I hear that, like, like, when I hear that you you own a business and everything that that entails, everything that you go through to start a business mm-hmm. and to make it successful, and most small business owners devote 24 to 60 months where they're the primary right. employee. They're not just the employer. Mm-hmm. They work there 24 hours a day. So when they get to a place where they can hire people, it's it's almost like inviting someone into your home because the workplace that they've created right. is an extension of their home because mm-hmm. they're, they're there sometimes you know, 20 hours a day until they get it going. And then they can have employees who can be there so they can actually not be there. Right. But with a funeral home, it's even more personal because people are grieving mm-hmm. and they're in a very difficult place in their lives. Um, and so I don't want to make it seem as if the funeral home should have a different set of rules than the rest of the businesses. The fact is, Chris Woodward, if you own a business, you should be able to say to me, Stacey Washington, um, if you start dressing in a way that is harmful to the business, mm-hmm. you can't work here anymore. It's not really that it's him dressing as a woman so much as it's that he's dressing in a way that makes him an attention grabber right. when the people are there to handle these very difficult mm-hmm. moments, emotional um, and and difficult because the funeral home has to charge them money. So right. they have to mix money into this really difficult time of loss. But it really, even if it was a bookstore where there's no difficulty at all and most mm-hmm. people stroll in happy, the employer should be able to say, 
you know, Stacey, you can't wear uh, bike shorts to work. You can't wear sports bras as a top to right. work. You can't dress as a man. You can't dress as a baby. You mm-hmm. can't dress as an Ewok. You know, right. I should not be able to come in and dress any way that I want at the employer. Now, if I want to open a business and dress any way that I want, that's on me because mm-hmm. I would be then, you know, and anyone who wants to have people dress as Ewoks or, you know, that one alien from the movie where they're plugged into a thing and then when they wake up, they're in another world and they're another alien. I forget what that one's called. Avatar. Okay, and you yeah, want your employees you to dress like Avatar. You're you're welcome to do that. And if your employees don't want to, they can also right. quit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I said this is where the totalitarianism comes into me. There, this is where people who work for someone else and need that someone else to get paid and have a job are right. saying, "I'm dressing this way, and there's nothing you can do about it. And you have to keep me. You have to employ right. me. You have to pay me mm-hmm. to mess up your business." Yeah, and in the case of the funeral homeowner, that guy's name is Tom Rost. And he was informed of his employee's so-called transition by letter. The funeral director, um, the employee, approached Mr. Rost, handed him a letter and said, hey, on such and such date, I'm going to come back dressed as a she. And Tom Rost is like, well, wait a minute. Our, our funeral directors are front and center. People are grieving. They don't mm-hmm. need to see a man dressed as a woman. And they followed the law, according to Mr. Rost, and they offered this man a severance package, which mm. he rejected. And initially, there was a federal district court that agreed with Mr. Rost, but then the EEOC challenged that up and got an appeals court. I believe it is the Sixth Circuit Court of Appeals that agreed with the EEOC. And so the issue going before the Supreme Court probably in October of this year is whether or not a government agency can substitute language in a law that Congress did not direct that government agency to do. So it's really a fascinating case. It is. Because they've overstepped their bounds by any lay mm-hmm. person. I'm not a lawyer. Don't play one on TV. Have right. no idea. But um, just by listening to what you've described there, it sounds like they really went out of their way to accommodate the person. Mm-hmm. And I just keep going back to when I hear these stories, Chris, I go right back to just, what, 20 years ago? How long ago was it when in the DSM for psychologists and psychotherapists and all that, that transgender was considered a mental illness? Right. And so what a lot of what I see going on with transgender individuals mm-hmm. when, like, let's say, let's go back to the part of the story where this is the, the pivotal moment. He sends them a letter. He knows I've got to inform them in writing. I can't just show up like this because right. it'll, it'll make a scene. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to smooth the path. They then respond to him and say, you know what? This isn't going to work out. Let us. And they, they could have just right. said, this is a material change in circumstance. You're fired. Mm-hmm. Um, probably an at-will employment state. I know Missouri is. A lot of states have right. gone to at-will employment where it's basically and when we no longer want to be with together, yeah. we're not together anymore. And yeah. nobody gets upset about it. You just walk, I leave, we're done. Even if it's not an at-will employment state, there are mechanisms by mm-hmm. which an employer can say, we just don't want you to work here anymore. Right. And they don't have to have a valid, like it doesn't have to be a list of 10 things. It just has to be that they don't want you to work there anymore. After the letter, when they said, we'll give you a severance, that's them saying, this is this is a little fraught. Yeah. Let us give you something to smooth the exit because this is clearly a breaking of the ways. We will not be able to continue forward because of what you said. Yeah. And then this is where I feel like it's totalitarianism. That person, instead of recognizing the employer's right to say thank you, but no, mm-hmm. says, no, you will employ me. You will put me in front of your customers. You mm-hmm. will change the nature of your business for right. me. And if you don't. I'll run you into the ground. I'll make this a story that everybody's going to know your name. You'll get hate mail. It'll change the lives of your family members. And more than anything, 
you'll have to be in this relationship with me because I'm going to force you through the law. I'm going to mm-hmm. use attorneys to make you read correspondence yeah. from me, pay lawyers money to deal with me. We're never going to be apart. We're going to be together forever. Almost like a unhealthy, like stalker relationship. Only it's an employer and an employee. Mm-hmm. And you know what's really interesting? Here's where things really get interesting. And this is going into the weeds a little bit. But I was on a media call with Alliance Defending Freedom about mm-hmm. this very case earlier this week. And the attorney, I believe his name is John Bursch, with Alliance Defending Freedom, is representing Mr. Rost. Mm. Uh, Mr. Bursch, the attorney, pointed out that this employee started working for Rost back in 2007, and he was therefore aware of the dress code policy, the sex-specific dress code policy that he up and decided how many ever years ago he was going to ignore. Wait, sex-specific dress code policy. So the, the company, the funeral home, already had... Mm-hmm. To which the attorney, to which the employee was aware of, but he just decided I'm going to come back as Nancy, you know, next week. And you therefore have to agree with it because I was born this way. It's part of what society is, you know, allowing me to do and you should welcome it, that kind of thing. But as Mr. Ross has said, look, we have grieving families here Mm. and they don't need to see you uh, dressed as a woman. Well, and I think there's also, um, besides the obvious business interests, there's just an issue of the comfort of the workplace. And I think one of the things that we 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 kind of forget that, mm-hmm. but most employers when they're when they're having HR, whoever does the hiring, when they're going through the process, there's this undercurrent and no one ever talks about it, but let's let's crack it open. The fact is when people are looking at someone to employ them, right. they look at a whole host of things like this is the job description, here's your experience, does that match? Mm. Once everything matches up on paper, the the interview portion where it's person to person is to see if you're someone that they can be around every day, right? right? So if you come in and they look at you and they feel like they can't be around you every day, mm-hmm. or if you change, like one day everything's fine, the next day you've changed and it's something you can't be around, right. then that person no longer feels like the employment relationship will work. And that's when things usually get terminated. And this happens every day, mm-hmm. all over the country, all the time. Yeah. I, it just seems like whenever it involves this issue, the transgender issue or, you know, same sex things, that's right. when the person won't let it go. They just yeah. won't let it go. And, you know, I would be shocked that even in 2019, there aren't people that identify as lesbian or gay or maybe even bisexual that say, hey, that T doesn't need to be in our community. They've got problems. Well, they but tried there are that, people but the in that circle no. saying, hey, you should let it go, too. Yeah. And, you know, we can all stronger together. The Democrats said that they mm-hmm. had a meeting and the. The LGB people said, no, they're not with us. And they said, we need everybody in the tent. We need as many people as possible. All right. So I've got Chris Woodward with me and we're enjoying ourselves. We'll be right back with more after this. Here's Walker Wildman for Redeem Clean Laundry Products. Not only do you get a great product and you get to obviously clean your clothes, get the stains out and use a multi-surface cleaner to clean your countertops and use the dryer sheets. You're doing all of this and the money's going to support the work of American Family Association. Redeem Clean Laundry products were developed by AFA supporters Lynn Ingram and Jim Duncan to assist in funding the mission of the American Family Association. Redeem Clean products work as well as or better than other products on the market. They're environmentally safe, biodegradable, and they're made right here in the United States. The great thing about Redeem Clean is not only is the product great, but it goes to support a great cause, and that is the work of American Family Association. 
for clean laundry and a cleaner society. It's Redeem Clean. Visit redeemclean.afastore.net. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, funerals are starting to look very different. An article in the Washington Post predicts that the funerals as we know it is becoming a relic. And so many of our time-honored rituals are being set aside. You know, one of the first books I wrote was on the subject of death and dying. Back then, I noted that we were a death-denying culture. The elderly used to die in our homes, but now we're dying in hospitals and care facilities. And so we tried to cover the reality of death with euphemisms like, he passed on or she's in a better place. Well, four decades later, we see that our secular society is changing the rules about dying. Americans are less likely to spend as much money on somber, embalmed body funerals. Cost is another part of the reason, which may also explain why more than half of all American deaths lead to cremations. This is nearly double the percentage less than two decades ago. Now, some of the changes in funerals parallel other changes in major life events. There are more destination weddings than just a few decades ago. Some of these gender reveal celebrations are becoming theatrical productions, so we shouldn't be surprised that some funerals look more like retirement parties or even birthday parties. Concern about the environment probably explains why many are opting for green funerals. The body is placed in a biodegradable coffin or shroud. One state has approved legislation that allows for human composting, and there are even businesses to turn one's ashes into vinyl or jewelry. Each generation tries to make its peace with the inevitability of death, and we are seeing new trends in that regard. As Christians, we can take comfort that we will be raised from the dead just as Christ was raised from the dead, and we know that death will be the final enemy to be destroyed. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Socialism, go to viewpoints.info slash socialism. That's viewpoints.info slash socialism. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. I spat it out because I couldn't really believe what I was hearing. This is a guy, frontrunner, as he said, to be the potential nominee for the Democratic Party to beat Donald Trump. That's their plan. That's what they want to do. And their main selling point right now in a CNN town hall is that they want the Boston Marathon bomber to get a vote while he's in prison, while he's on death row. And whilst you say don't mock it, how can we not mock it? This is the stuff of utter lunacy. And it's the kind of stuff that I think I'll be watching the show for a long time. This kind of invasion of woke thought, which is now really sending people nuts, I think is now being extended to areas like the penal system. And they're looking at this and saying, yeah, that makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that rapists, paedophiles, terrorists, people guilty of treason, mass murderers, serial killers, they should all have the right to vote. That is the most important thing. Here's what I would ask them. And there's an irony in me putting this question, Tucker, which you will immediately understand. But if you ask the very same Democratic candidates who support this, who want the right to vote to exist for felons, I know what ask them how be. they would feel about the right to own or buy a well, exactly. gun. Exactly. That's now, exactly I right. would love it as somebody who has a view that is completely different to you about gun control. <laughs> right. no, I would love right. it if felons were all, you know, <laughs> treated as they are and not allowed to have guns. They're not. You, it's very difficult for any felon in America to come out if they have more than a one-year sentence and own or buy a gun. <laughs> okay, welcome back to the show. So, 
I'm laughing and I've got my bug bug eyes going on. Hope I'm not scaring Chris Woodward here in the studio. I'm just I can't. But first of all, it's, that was Pierce Morgan. He huge gun fanatic, gun controller. Mm-hmm. He just is so idiotic on guns. He's always had guards and everything because he's always been kind of celebrity famous, yeah. you know. Um, but he's making this point that I, I'm glad he's making it because it actually has more validity coming from him since he is a leftist. Yeah. And that is what is going on with the Democrats. I, it seems like one of them makes a proposal that is outlandish and outrageous and cannot stand. And the one is like, Mm-mm, hold my beer. I can I cannot do that. Yeah. Bernie Sanders is saying that rapists who could actually vote for candidates who want to legalize rape or take away protections for women, uh, protection orders, the ability to get a concealed carry permit if you've been stalked, et cetera, et cetera. They could actually, our prison population is pretty sizable. They could get together and support a candidate and have that person go in and change laws that got them incarcerated. I mean, that's the reason why we don't let felons vote, because they obviously shouldn't have the power to make decisions that affect the rest of us Mm -hmm. because they're in jail. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, by the way, in the UK, I'm pretty sure it's hold my Guinness, but um, oh, yeah. uh, we'll go from there. For sure. Um, uh, you know, it's how hard up are you when you have to uh, when you have to be okay with a convicted felon or a bomber uh, when you need that person's vote in order to succeed when you have to be okay with uh, someone as young as 16 years old being able to register to vote and things like that. It's a bizarre situation. And, you know, occasionally we do get uh, opinions from people on the left or even the far left that seemingly say things that, you know, or they say things that seemingly make sense. In this case, it's a fantastic point. Uh, I, I, you know, what happens if, um, if a lawmaker uh, says, well, we're going we're gonna to have felons only be imprisoned on the weekend? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then you've already allowed the felons to vote mm-hmm. and they put that person in office. And then you have terrorists and bombers and murderers and pedophiles, as he said, mm-hmm. uh, out on the streets, except on Saturdays and Sundays. Well, th- so this could happen, because if you think about some of the larger states that have multiple federal prisons inside them yeah. um, and then state prisons and then jails, any person who's incarcerated would have the right to submit an absentee ballot And they could all, in a state like Texas, there'd be enough of them to elect maybe one congressional representative or worse than that, maybe the governor or maybe, you know, this is we're talking about swaying elections Mm -hmm. here because unfortunately in our country, we have uh, just a huge amount of incarcerated individuals. We do. And the reason why they can't vote Mm -hmm. is because it's actually the Constitution actually says that once a person commits a felony is convicted Mm -hmm. by a jury of their peers, then local, state, and federal governments are permitted to make changes to their rights. Right. Um, you can't. You can disenfranchise them voting-wise. Some states allow you to then come back, and you can, um, after a certain number of years, you can get your vote back. Some states, you actually have to go to the governor and petition mm-hmm. for him to give you your right to vote right. back. I think that's the case in Florida, which is what the Democrats are all up in arms about, because felons who have been convicted but are now out, want to vote. Mm-hmm. And when they petition, it's a case-by-case basis. And some of them are like, they're not letting me vote because I'm black. And yeah. the governor's like, no, we're not letting you vote because you were convicted right. of a heinous crime that we feel like you should never have the right to vote again. Um, in any case, it's crazy that that's an issue that mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders wants to hang his hat on. Well, I mean, and as if his ideas weren't crazy enough, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, you know... We, there's no personal accountability anymore, and I think that kind of plays into this. Like, it, I was in prison because uh, I did something that society uh, forced me to do because I was starving, so I went and stole 300 computers 
and then uh, broke into websites and hacked people's, uh, you know, personal accounts because I needed to buy bread. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, you want people to feel sorry for you. And unfortunately, I think that that's led to a lot of the reason why people even on the right got behind uh, things like criminal justice reform. And I'm not saying there aren't people maybe over penalized for things that are misdemeanors and things like that. Mm. But certainly we have seen a lot of people that not too long ago were tough on crime saying, well, you know, marijuana is not really that big a deal anymore. And even though you had two pounds of it in your trunk, we're going to let you go easy. Even though you were dealing it to kids, right. or even though you baked it into brownies and served it to children, or even though you used it in while yeah. you gave it to someone against their will and then raped them. I mean, there are so many different crimes that we haven't considered that a person can be convicted of, and that's the reason why they're in jail. Uh, and I understand our system is flawed, mm -hmm. and we there are innocent people who are then exonerated. Right. And we're obviously separating those people off, because if you're innocent and you were wrongly convicted and then you're exonerated, you should receive every right back and, and hopefully some kind of compensation for what you've been through. Mm -hmm. But if we're talking about your garden variety uh, bomber, like right. the Boston Marathon bomber, why should that guy, who's actually a refugee from another country, why should he get to vote? Like, I don't even understand why he's still here. He should be incarcerated back in Tuzbekistan or wherever he came from. Yeah. He should not even be here getting taken care of by the taxpayers. Right. And, you know, uh, really with the Sarnayev brothers, remember the FBI was kind of tipped off by Russia, of all countries, uh, saying, hey, you need to look into these uh, two guys here. And they mm -hmm. did look into them and they decided they weren't that big of a threat. And then, unfortunately, the uh, the Boston Marathon or the Boston bombing happened. So here you have a government that arguably failed us. Uh, possibly allowing people like that to vote. It's it's crazy, but unfortunately in this day and age, like nothing really shocks me anymore. I, I get out of bed wondering, okay, what am I going to go home, uh, you know, stressed out about today? Well, you, I, I literally, I get up, and when I'm tempted, I'm tempted to reach over and get the phone. When I've been bad, the phone's on the nightstand. It's yeah. plugged in. When I've been good, it's downstairs on the charging table with all the other phones and devices, because mm -hmm. that's what we make the kids do. If I... If I went to bed and it's on my nightstand, I literally will, I wake up mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, what time is it? And then I think I should go to Drudge. Yeah. I should check all my websites. And then I, if I do, if I give in and I do, I go down all the websites and it's just like, by the time I do that, I roll out of bed. I'm like, well, another one of those days. Yeah. Lots of content for radio, obviously. Sure. But I, I just, I want people to take from this story that if you're not, involved. And this is a huge thing for us because only 30% of evangelicals vote. And so we have a huge audience of people mm -hmm. who are pretty engaged because they're right. listening to our, our network. But I encourage them to reach outside to, to their network, their family, extended family, friends, coworkers. If people are professing Christians, we should say to them, hey, don't forget we got to vote or don't forget this issue. Like I got this alert from mm -hmm. AFR. I want to share it with you. You know, if you're if you're a donor here, you get these nice letters. Yeah. Um, take your letter from Tim Wildman mm -hmm. and pass it to a friend. Make a photocopy and say, hey, I, I know you don't yeah. listen to AFR, but would you read this and mm -hmm. you know, maybe write a letter? I was going to write a letter to our congressman. Would you maybe write one too? Right. That's the kind of stuff. If we do more of that, we're going to get a little further along. Mm -hmm. Pray and then take some action. Yeah. I don't know their names uh, right now, but I know uh, without a doubt, uh, for a fact, whatever, uh, there are a couple of ladies that are just big fans of OneNewsNow.com, mm -hmm. and they have a small Bible study uh, women's group, things like that. And uh, one of the ladies uh, goes to our website every day and prints out various articles. And in addition to uh, reading the Word of God, which should be front and center, first and foremost, uh, they also uh, share the stories that we cover 
uh, which I so appreciate. Mm. Uh, and, you know, just uh, in addition to the action alerts, I mean, you can easily print for free all of the articles at onenewsnow.com, including the associated press materials that we have on the right side of the page. And then below that is uh, a section called Latest from the Web. It's various things that Rusty Pugh and Fred Jackson and other <laughs> people uh, scour the internets uh, and post uh, so that way you don't have to go to the various sites. That's right. And I, what I love is when you go to onenewsnow.com, you're getting... So a lot of news nowadays, and people don't realize it, because if unless you read 500 sites a day, you're not going to see it. Right. But it's rip and read. They mm-hmm. get the AP story. If you go to APnews.com, you see mm-hmm. the story. Then you go to a lot of the websites. It's actually just a copy and paste of that story. It'll say via the AP. Right. Or, you know, from the news service. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, that's fine. But if we're going to trust the AP to shape every news story, that gives all of the power to one very tiny group of people. Right. And where's the rest of the investigative journalism? Mm-hmm. Where's taking that nugget and making some phone calls? A lot of these people have budgets for travel. Right. Getting on a plane and flying there and find out, find out what really happened. Right. Like Talk to more than just that one person and then put the story together. I happen to know you guys actually do more investigating beyond the ripping and reading from the AP. And I want to make that point here on the air because mm-hmm. I think that makes a difference for people. When, when you're sharing a mm-hmm. story and you know it's been well-researched and that you've actually delved behind the story and said... Right. Let's, uh, this doesn't sound quite right. Let's press it and yeah. see. Like, what do we know about this? That's what you guys do, right? Something that uh, something that I, uh, I, I mean, I really find it important. And this is the way uh, a lot of news outlets used to be. Maybe not so much now, or really not so much at all. <laughs> um, but uh, take a, take a, a story about man-made climate change that a that AP does. It's it's all you know. Everything in it's going to be this is real. It's bad, and it's going to get worse. It doesn't include any kind of counterpoint from a skeptic. Mm. If it does, it kind of pokes fun at them, or maybe it's just lip service. They get a little line One or two. Line. Right. Yeah. And so what I'll do is I'll take the AP material and I'll send it to a Mark Morano or a Steve Malloy at Junk Science or Cal Bisner or some some skeptic of catastrophic man-made global warming, and I'll have them weigh in on what it is. And that's why if you'll listen or you'll read the article, uh, you'll notice I begin with what uh, the other side says, and mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll mention what uh, the skeptic says. And I hope at the end of the day, at the end of the project, you got the well-rounded information that you deserve versus what someone who works for a group who was funded by this organization wanted you to believe. That is what I love. So when I read them, it's much more like an actual yeah. news story because I've gotten more than just because, you know what, if I just want the headline, I can read headlines on Drudge. I can mm-hmm. actually read headlines on like 10 websites. Yeah. But if you want more, then you go to onenewsnow.com. You're going to get more of that. And I I will say, listeners, you know, if you're listening to Stacey on the right, you know, I make requests occasionally. I don't do it all the time. But I would love it if you would give onenewsnow.com a try by hitting the subscribe button. And then if they do that, are you guys a once a day, once a week? What what do they get? Once a day, you get an email. And here's where we really give glory to God uh, with a combination of radio and onenewsnow.com. Uh, our biggest audience, like our number one audience in terms of clicks with the emails is in California of mm. all places. We don't have a station there, but we have a huge following, uh, which, you know, the reason I bring that up is don't write off California. You hear all these stories and you're like, <laughs> oh, I wish you would just leave already. Yeah, secede or drop off into yeah, the ocean. Just go away. <laughs> there are people there that are concerned and that are trying and they get up out of bed every day and they work and they do go to church and they try to get people to be informed about the issues. So don't write off California uh, because they do. Uh, apparently, there's a large number of Californians in the Golden State that do depend on us for news. Praise well, God. Well, and 
I've had quite a few of them call the show. And I, when it, when they say they're calling from California, they're like, don't write us off. We're still here. Yeah. Um, and I did an, an in-depth article, an interview with a series of women, six of them. Mm-hmm. They have this group. They call it Third Thursday. And they're huge fundraisers for the NRA. But they started out as a lunch group where they met. And then one of them said, look, because they're a little on the wealthy side. Mm-hmm. Um, they live in the wine you gotta country region. you got to be in region. California. Well, yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> they're sitting around. Some of them are talking about their latest house they've bought or remodeled. Some of them are sitting around talking, you know. And one of them said, look, I thought we were going to get together to talk about issues because the state of California is going to pot. So if we're only going to talk about our jewelry and our latest necklace and our latest purse, mm-hmm. I'm out. But if we're going to do something, I actually have a contact over at Stanford. The Hoover Institution mm-hmm. yeah. is willing to send us some some people. So a bunch of the women around the table, most of them raised their hand and said, sign me up. If it's a fee, I'll contribute. Right. If this is going to be a member type thing, let me know. A couple of the women did not show up again, but at that moment, they went from a bunch of women who went to lunch to an actual group that now, they actually helped launch Charlie Kirk, of all people. I mean, they're one of his biggest sources right. of support. And so when I was talking to them and listening to them talking, they know all of the history of California. Like, I learned things about California I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of it is really sad to hear because it's really just a group of really, like, almost like um, like gremlins, yeah. like gremlin-type humans who... They just wanted to win. And so they just basically subverted the political system and worked and worked and worked until they could win. And now California is really a one party rule type situation right. because of the way they've they've perverted the electoral system there locally and statewide. And so as we were talking, you can hear the emotionality because some of these women, they got their start in California. And I'm, I mean, these women mm-hmm. are in their 60s and their 70s. One of them, late 70s. They've written books. They've done these amazing things, um, owned businesses, you know, gone through their whole lives. They are great grandmothers, right. some of them. And when you talk to them, they sound just like you and I. But then when you start talking about guns, these chicks go to, you know, the ranges once a year and they right. set their own schedule and get trained. Awesome. They And they're California gun owners, mm-hmm. which means they have to go through a million different hoops in order to, right. to make something happen. So um, in talking to them, I got a real different perspective on California as a state. I, I've previously until meeting them, I've been one of those people who says, you know, it'd probably be better if it was that big earthquake and it just fell off. And we were just there for NRB and mm-hmm. I saw the beauty of it. And it's yeah. so lovely. Um, so I just, I do hope that people will do that. Go to onenewsnow.com, hit the subscribe button. I'm there now. Let me see where I can find the subscribe up. So RSS feed you can do. Mm-hmm. There's a donate button. That's cool. Um, categories. I'm on the mobile site. Tons of categories. You guys, this is something you need to do. Um, you got to hit the subscribe button over there so you can get that daily email. I'll be doing it while we're on the break. We won't sell your email address. Oh, you're so safe with us. We don't do any of that stuff. Um, okay, so I hear the music. When we get back, we'll be talking some more. We'll have more stories from onenewsnow.com. And uh, yeah, stay right there. This is Life Issues with Brad Mattis, president of Life Issues Institute. Planned Parenthood's flagship abortion facility in New York City, the Margaret Sanger Center, has sent five women to the hospital in ambulances in less than two months. Pro-life sidewalk counselors have also reported an alarming increase in women who've left the abortion mill crying, having difficulties walking, or were vomiting. It was observed that each of the women transported in ambulances were black. Planned Parenthood has a long and sordid history of targeting women of color. In fact, 
Margaret Sanger was a well-known eugenicist back in her day. If this many women are being maimed in their flagship center, imagine how many more are being hurt system-wide, not to mention the violent deaths experienced by their precious babies. Like us on Facebook at Life Issues and stay informed, more informed than you've ever been. In life, you may find yourself wearing different hats. You may wear the hat of a father, judge, caregiver, or wife. The list goes on. But with each hat, we are not to allow the name on that particular hat to be our main identity. Have you ever begun to place your confidence in the names of one of your hats more than having your identity in Jesus? I know I have. When our significance is placed in the title of a hat, we will always fall short because we are imperfect beings. But when our identity is in Jesus Christ, whether we fail the next test in school or don't quite meet the deadline at work, it will not affect our confidence in God. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12 tells us that we are chosen of God, holy and truly loved. Our identity needs to be secured in Christ and He alone. Find and meditate on the scriptures that tells you who you are in Him. And you better wear that hat. I'm today's urban woman, Victory Hollyfield. Connect with us more at UrbanFamilyTalk.com. Media Minute with Howard Kurtz. Joe Biden finally got into the race yesterday, and despite the fact that he's a former vice president leading in all the polls and comfortably beating President Trump in those head-to-head matchups, he's been drawing skeptical and largely negative coverage. New York Times news story says he faces a party defined by a younger generation that might be skeptical of his age and ideological moderation. The liberal site Slate says he could be a 2016 version of Jeb Bush, a paper tiger. Now, most journalists know Joe Biden, like him personally, he's a very gregarious guy, but they think he's too old, too old-fashioned, he's not trending on Instagram, uh, not liberal enough in the view of many pundits, and not exciting enough. They would much rather cover unorthodox personalities like Beto O'Rourke or Mayor Pete Buttigieg. So Biden faces a real difficulty here to prove that he's with it, that he hasn't lost a step, and despite that he has this long half-century experience, that that's not an albatross. We'll have to see how he does. With your Media Minute, Howie Kurtz, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for being here. Don't forget to also head over to StacyOnTheRight.com and hit subscribe. We would love to have you there. I don't sell your emails. I don't even look at them. You just get the newsletter occasionally. Um Whenever I remember, hey, mm-hmm. I have subscribers. They need something new. So the, it's not even a weekly thing, but it is great content. I usually have some pictures from the White House Press Corps, the pictures of the week, and then a couple links of things that I thought I just can't. I have to share this. And then anything recent from the blog will be on there. So StaceyOnTheRight.com, at StaceyOnTheRight on Twitter and Instagram. Um, so, Chris... What else have you got from OneNewsNow.com? I'm well, loving this. Yeah, one of the stories that I've worked on this week was this whole uh, kerfuffle, if you will, where the Trump administration says, hey. Kerfuffle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Trump administration says, hey, we're not going to go to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. It's awful. It's terrible. Such they make fun story. of us. We're not going to go. Yeah. And and then you had like uh, people in media, well-known folks, uh, CNN's Brian Stelter, for one example. He says, well, this is like an attack on media. And one of the How people, so? they're know, not even there. Well, exactly. But you know, and I spoke to uh, Dan Gaynor with Media Research Center and oh, Newsbusters. Yeah, we love Dan. Yeah. And, and Dan was like, you know, why should he go? It's year three. You've made fun of him in the past two His years. His wife. You said that he was uh, he cheated to win the election. His He's son. a traitor. His All son. this stuff. Yeah. 
They and, made fun of everybody. Right. I mean, why would you go? Why would you why would you subject yourself to that? And as Dan pointed out in our interview, uh, it's it's different today from what it was back uh, years ago, where, you know, you would bring on somebody to maybe do an impression of George H.W. Bush or, you you know, have some oh, lighthearted moments. There was moments. definitely some fun poked, yeah. you know, there were... It was ribbing, right. and some of it could even get a little, like, some of it was real hard-hitting stuff, but it was always still done in fun where right. you could laugh. Even if it was one of the toughest jokes mm-hmm. you've ever had, you could still laugh at it. You could still say, okay, you got me, right. you know, and laugh about it. It's so nasty now. Right, and it's pretty much like a look-at-me kind of moment, which, unfortunately, so many people in journalism are now in that, look at me, look at what I've done, uh, mm-hmm. how many Twitter followers I have and all this stuff. Um, if you're really concerned about journalism, there's a lot of things that are, you know, not being covered by Brian Stelter and other people at CNN. <laughs> it's pretty much the what has Trump done and how can I complain about it today network. So when I read the story, I actually thought of it from the perspective of if you cast your mind back for some of us, it may be a long, long time ago. But in high school, it, there would be situations where someone would be bullying someone else mm-hmm. and whether it was physical or just verbal. And if that person would not be there for a few days or go on vacation during the school year or uh, switch schools. Sometimes the bully would say, well, they're just not around here for us to have our fun. Mm -hmm. In other words, they've removed themselves as a target that we can poke and prod and stab and hurt and verbally accost. I can't beat them up anymore. And I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. And so they would complain. That's what this sounds like. It's the bullies Mm -hmm. saying, How dare you not provide us with entertainment, someone to mock, someone to make fun of. And honestly, the president hadn't been. He'd been sending Kellyanne Conway and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Mm -hmm. And I believe, I'm not sure, Chris, help me out here, if it was last year or the year before. I think it was last year when they made fun of Sarah Huckabee Sanders' actual physical appearance. They did. Which was, to me, it was just such a low blow. And Honestly, some of the people who are making fun of her, mm-hmm. I'm like, so you don't have any mirrors where you're where you live because you have no room to mock the way she looks right. when you present yourself on a daily basis looking like that. And worse than that, the kind of discourse, like I, I believe it was that comedian last year who mm-hmm. mocked Sarah Huckabee Sanders looks. Right. The woman does not have five brain cells firing at, at the same time. How can she even like it's like you're saying someone who's out of my league, someone who I cannot compare with intellectually or career wise, someone who's accomplished. I'm going to knock that person on their looks from a position where this is a woman who wasn't accomplished at all, mm-hmm. who was doing the mocking. It's I, I just think it's so juvenile. It I, it's hard to understand. Well, and it shows the hypocrisy of the people on the left, too, because remember back in 2016, the, the two main messages during that election year were these uh, love Trump's hate mm-hmm. and stronger together. Oh, and they're and not when, embodying we, when they go low, yeah. we go oh, yeah. high. Right. There's oh, your, there's your trifecta. Yeah. yeah. No one listened to Michelle, unfortunately. Right. Um, She's who, not even listening to herself. Oh, that divorced dad <laughs> comment was just awful. Brock didn't even have a dad. Right. He 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 literally didn't have a father. Now, she comes from an intact home. Um, her parents were very, very family oriented. And the two of them have made mm-hmm. a very strong family together. And, you know, and they totally missed a tremendous opportunity to promote man-woman marriage, mm-hmm. not just in the black community, but in communities all across America. They totally, they had that opportunity like right there and yeah. they just ignored it. I've talked about that many times, Chris, over the course of their 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 tenure in the White House. They were such a, it was almost like they were put together for a TV, made for TV yeah. movie or something, you know, both tall 
both attractive, both with, you know, these backgrounds. We don't really know much about because we weren't allowed to see the transcripts and all that. Mm Because that that was when it was okay to keep things private. Now you have to show everything because it's Trump. But anyway, the two of them did miss an opportunity. And I I never like to let that fact fly Mm -hmm. by. You you mentioned it. I just want to round it out by saying in the black community, we have... 78%, 78%, some mm-hmm. some anthropologists say 72% of all babies born out of wedlock. Uh, so 72%, if you take the lower number, that's still an astronomical number. 40% in the Hispanic community. Um, and then, you know, it's still a pretty high number in the white community. So across the board in America, around 40, 43% of babies, all of them born out of wedlock. Yeah. That means that child is much more likely to suffer from psychological disorders, depression, um, a lack of uh, advancement in school. Mm -hmm. They're usually not on grade level. And I know there are single parents out there who are thinking, wow, you're really giving us a bad run, you know, Mm -hmm. because there are some great single parents out there. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you're in that number, but the likelihood of your child being caught up in those negative statistics is increased when it's one parent in the home. And parenting is a job that was meant for two people. Mm God is able to give us grace and favor in any situation. And when we say, hey, I'm turning away from the sin. Lord, please help me. He sends in the Calvary. He's always there to respond to our needs. But it behooves us to make choices that obey his word, which means having children within the confines of marriage. A man, a woman, and God joined together, creating that triune bond that replicates the Godhead. And then that child or children are the recipients and beneficiaries Mm -hmm. of all of that blessing that comes from being obedient and it just makes me like, you know, total pariah and somebody that must be a bigoted, hate-filled mm-hmm. person to say that. But the fact is, I see the difference. Yeah. I have friends who are single parents who are doing an amazing job. I have people that I know who are single parents who are not cutting the the, the mustard. Right. And then I see a lot of couples and varying degrees of, of success. And I know the couples automatically have it easier because at night when you have that difficult situation with your child or at your workplace mm-hmm. or wherever at night you ha- you can turn to that person and say, well, here's what's going on and get their feedback right. and face it together, right. which is easier in, in the long run than doing it alone. Yeah, that's what's, uh, I'll be honest with you, and I don't know that I've ever mentioned this to you or anybody else, but I've always been bothered or, or becoming more bothered by the whole it takes a village phrase mm. because, you know, people always say, well, it takes a village and I really appreciate these people stepping up and helping. Uh, you should help. But it shouldn't take a village. It doesn't. It needs moms and dads together in a home mm-hmm. to make sure the homes are strong so mm-hmm. that way the village is strong and the churches are stronger. And when the homes and the village and the churches are stronger, America is better for that. Amen. And so, Chris, you're hitting on a point here because the reason Hillary Clinton thinks it takes a village is because everyone in the village is a single parent. So they need that help. Mm-hmm. In a traditional marriage where you have the husband and the wife and they're praying and they're they're in union with God, they're in church. Yeah. So there's no village. There's the church. The church then works in the community and helps those who aren't able to have that traditional yeah. marriage. They help. The church helps, not the government, the church. And you get more tax revenue. You get more businesses. You get more economic development yeah. out of these two parent households with kids because they can start a business I, like at our house, I'm the little small business owner because I, you know, I work here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I wouldn't be able to do that without my husband. So it, it's a, I just think it's really when you are not wise and you refuse to see the truth, everything we're saying sounds like foolishness. Yeah. 
But if you understand that what God's word says is true and it's for our benefit, then you understand that what we're saying is really the remedy. It's the prescription for if you go down the Democratic platform and look at all the stuff they're advocating for. Mm -hmm. Kids don't need huge student loans when they come from a two-parent household. The parents teach the children fiscal responsibility. They teach them, you shouldn't go learn basket weaving at Yale and get $400,000 in student loans for basket weaving. And then kids who have parents like that who say, you know, like at our house, we tell the kids, this is what we contribute to your college education. Mm -hmm. This is the rest. Get scholarships. You can work and save money, whatever you got to do. But just know that you're going to be in this with us because if we just write the whole check or borrow the whole thing, you're much less likely to appreciate it and work as hard as you possibly can. Our oldest is she's like every uh, research opportunity that she gets. She's like, Mom, I just I just accepted another research opportunity. It's going to take me this many hours a week. I have this many labs and they're giving me this much money. And so we just uh, keep a spreadsheet and we add it on and it takes the money off Mm -hmm. the bottom but if, if we hadn't been together, if my husband and I hadn't sat down together and I'd interviewed people on the radio about mm-hmm. college and how yeah. much it costs. And we even had a young woman on. She's a millennial. She's written a book about um, how hard it is for some who are in the dating realm, mm-hmm. who are millennials. You meet someone you like and then you realize they have 200000 in student loans and so do you. Yeah. So if you marry... You come in with more than a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Like in most towns in America, you do not need 200000 to buy a house. So you have two houses worth of student right. loans. How can you afford to be together? Like how can you afford to start a life together? And this is what she says is keeping a lot of millennials from marrying. Mm-hmm. They're staying at home in their parents' basement or wherever because they can't, right. they can't make it happen. And, you know, that's why I th- – I'm sorry. That's why I think um, – the whole socialism message from like Bernie mm-hmm. and Elizabeth Warren and stuff resonates with some people is because they're so mired in debt or mm-hmm. they're so focused on what 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 do I need to do to get out of the problems that I got myself into? Who That's, can I blame? Right. How can the government fix this for me? Yeah. And it was 60 years ago ish that, you know, you had President Kennedy on inauguration day saying, don't ask what your government can do for you. And now we're <laughs> doing this whole <laughs> look, Uncle Sam will write a check. We'll forgive all the student loans, everything. reparations for you black people i'm surprised you know (laughs) joe biden i'm surprised his campaign platform at this point is not free and legal just to try to trump everybody but we don't know we have no idea what new giveaways he's going to have in store for us right right we don't know the whole 2020 field amongst the 11 billion democrats (laughs) wanting their uh party's nomination people talk about it being popcorn tv and really to be honest with you i don't know they all they all support the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, but very little st- variation. Right, among yeah. Them. yeah, we're going to start seeing that. Well, I'm more liberal than you, or I'm more minority than you, or all mm-hmm. this other stuff, yeah. uh, and which I, helps no one. Because I right. my my question for people that I've started asking, and I do get like I get a perplexed look back, which I hope means they're going to think about it later. Because mm. it's not that I'm asking them that because I expect them to have an answer for me right away, but. If someone says, well, I like this candidate and it's a Democrat, I'll say, well, what part of their platform that they're proposing has already worked in areas that are controlled by Democrats? And usually I get kind of a look back and then they think for a second because they're it, that's an actual question, not to prod them or to say, you're a snowflake. It's not, it's not meant to start an argument. It's mm-hmm. meant to start a conversation. And I think. We have to ask that question more because I don't think a lot of Democrats have considered how areas controlled by Democrats are currently mm-hmm. faring. Inner cities, 
um, some major cities that do well are controlled by Democrats, but it's because the Democrats govern right. like Republicans mm-hmm. on everything but the social issues. Um, it, it it's we deserve an answer on that. If you're going to vote for someone, right. why would you give them their vote if you don't know that anything that they're proposing will work? Well, see, and it boils down to these three things. You need to you need to read your Bible. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to know what the Constitution says mm-hmm. and provides for and guarantees for things like that. And then you need to stay in tune with uh, this radio network and One News Now mm-hmm. um, and Urban and American Family Radio, Engage, One Million Dads, all that stuff. Because um, you you need to know what's out there so that way when somebody tells you that health care is a right, <laughs> nowhere in the Constitution are we guaranteed that right. We uh, we don't have many things guaranteed as a right except the pursuit of liberty or happiness, mm-hmm. the pursuit of happiness, um, and then the things that God gave to us. So right. the right to our personal property, yeah. the right to defend ourselves, you know, but the right to live in a... $250,000 house on yeah. three acres and have four cars and cable, that's not in there well, That's why intentionally. It, right, and that's why it's important for everybody listening to know what the Constitution says because then you have the people like the uh, soundbite we played earlier in the program where somebody gets behind a microphone and tells you that pedophilia is a uh, sexual orientation. Yeah. And then people that don't know go, okay, or if Bernie Sanders says health care is a right, Okay, I don't know because uh, we didn't have civics in my, uh, you know, my high school. They Which, just wanted to make sure we were there for the travesty. tax money. Yeah, yeah. It, we're paying for these schools. We should definitely have uh, civics brought back. And this, it's as simple as I know. I, it's like broken record, but if you're tuning in for the first time, here it is for you. Yeah, it's up to us. We're the taxpayers who fund public schools. If you live in an area where you pay property tax. Mm-hmm. The school district in which you pay property tax, that's actually your responsibility. And if you're not working with those folks, if you're not going to their school board meetings, Mm -hmm. if you're not weighing in when they ask for more tax money by voting yes or no, find out why, vote yes or no, um, then you're responsible for the fact that, you know, we now have millions of people who actually don't know anything about the Constitution. They have no idea. They don't even know what civics is. Besides, maybe it's a Honda, a Honda (laughs) Civic. So multiple Honda Civics. Yeah. You know what? Chris Woodward, onenewsnow.com. Thank, Thank you, very you much. for being here today. It's been fantastic mm-hmm. to chat with you. Pleasure. All right. I've been so glad to be with you broadcasting from Tupelo. God bless. Have a great weekend.